Welcome to The Measuring Line. I'm your host, Heath Meadows. Hope everybody had a great New Year's holiday. I'm sure 2023 will be every bit as eventful as the other couple years that have already transpired in the 2020s. Obviously, 2020 was a year that a lot of people would like to forget as far as the pandemic shutdowns and whatnot and things have just definitely never been the same since nor do i think they are supposed to be i think we've entered a new era and a lot of people feel that it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom it's really tough if you watch the news and you focus on that to not be pessimistic with the way things are going not only in our country but around the world and that's the problem is when we do that we get our eyes off jesus we get our eyes off christ and We forget that everything that's happening, he's in complete control, and we are heading toward the greatest victory that the Christian church has ever seen, which is the return of Christ and him setting up his government on earth. And so we just need to keep focused on that, realizing that, you know, regardless of what's happening, as darkness increases, that our light needs to shine brighter. And like anybody else, I sit down at the beginning of a year and I think, okay, what are some of my goals and things I want to accomplish? I actually stopped doing the resolution thing. I, I try to begin this process way before the year begins. I don't even use the new year as a demarcation line. I just, if I need a goal or I have something that I think needs to be fixed, I start then and fix it. But, you know, it's still a great marker to really look at some things and see, well, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, vacation we're planning vacation for this year things of that nature you know so it's a good time to do that i sat down and and kind of just looked at personally my my health and where i was going with that and i need to eat better because i like sweets and i need to stay away from them and as i get older i'm more cognizant of making sure that i need to really cut back on some things and if i want to finish the race that god has given me And I believe that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to take care of it and do a better job. And and plus, you know, I just don't want to be in and out of the doctors all the time because I can't control what's coming in and out of my mouth. So um, that's been something that we've, (laughs) me and my wife talked about for a couple months now, and uh, we just need to do it. But the other thing is this podcast, what's going on in the church, what's God doing, is, is is there a shift happening? And again, I think, that to say that God stops and starts on the new year is false. It's a continual building and progression toward the ultimate goal, which is the return of Christ. And that's what we're heading toward. But what I'm really seeing that's really got my attention over the years, ever since I was became a Christian, shortly thereafter, I would receive prophetic words from, from people that I trust, you know, not just these fly-by-night parking lot prophets, but people that I trust. And one of the words that would come up a lot is this idea of a voice in the wilderness that God has prepared me to be. And um, and I know he's got other people that he's prepared. I'm not saying I'm John the Baptist reincarnated. and that, That'd be great for people to start spreading that rumor. So it, it's just basically a, it's a prophetic assignment, so to speak. It's something specific for God and other people. And uh, I always took it as that, as probably someone that was on the fringes of church, not really part of organized religion, someone that's in the wilderness, someone that's an outcast and, and speaking to those type of people. And I've had encounters where I believe that's the case. But as I have 
talked about previously on this podcast, and if you haven't listened to the actual very first podcast where I explained the name, where the name comes from, you can definitely see that God as revealing these things to me as, as I set up the podcast with its name, the measuring line from Psalm 19 and from Paul saying, you know, how are they going to know the gospel or hear the gospel unless someone's preaching it or tells them that God is, has set this thing up perfectly. And as I was sitting down to say, okay, what direction, theme, or anything maybe that I need to focus on that God's wanting to, to talk about in the podcast this coming year, the first thing that I heard right away was I'm requiring you to turn up the heat, which immediately tells me that this is going to be a more preaching year than a teaching year, which I'm fine with. You know, I, I enjoy preaching. It's something that flows for me that it's a you know something that I, I don't have to think a whole lot about. Many, many times when I'm on the podcast, I don't have any notes in front of me. It's just what God places on my heart and I just let it rip. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Appreciate the patience out there for people listening. But, you know, this voice in the wilderness theme has come up a lot in the last two weeks. And I'm saying a lot. I'll read an article and it's just out of the blue in there. I'll hear something, a podcast or a YouTube channel. Somebody's bringing it up. I'm going to a a, um, a seminar or whatever you want to call it, a gathering in North Carolina that's called Voices in the Wilderness in February. I, I read an article just two days ago about missions mobilization, and they're talking about God raising up voices in the wilderness. I mean, it's crazy. I keep hearing that. And so finally, after all these years, I finally said, okay, God, what is a voice in the wilderness? And I know I'm not the only one. So there are people out there that are being raised up to be voices, these voices on the fringe. And I think it has to do with not being in the wilderness, so to speak, as in the Israelites walking around in the wilderness, but in the wilderness as in the days of the early settlement of the United States where it's pioneers. They are pioneers out plowing and, and going into the wilderness and seeking new places to establish God's kingdom. And that's the wilderness uh, I want you to think about when we're talking about this, not the wilderness of, you know, again, we all have wilderness experiences in our Christian walk, and uh, that's not what I'm talking about. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness. He baptized in the wilderness. He was not in the wilderness, so to speak, as far as his spiritual walk. He was far past that. He was calling people out of organized religion. He was calling people into relationship with God. He was bringing the humble up those that are lowly, those that were tread upon in society or representing by the valleys he was bringing up, and those that were high and lifted, the arrogant, the prideful, the idolatrous, he was bringing down. And that's why in Isaiah 4, 3 through 5, we read, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 43 through 5, we read, a voice is calling in the wilderness, clear me, clear the way of Yahweh. Make a highway smooth in the desert for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain shall and hill shall become low. And the rough ground shall be like plain and rugged ground like a valley plain. And the glory of Yahweh shall be revealed. And all humankind together shall see it. So John began to fulfill part of this verse. All humankind has not seen the glory of God yet. He, a lot of it did with Jesus. They, it was a partial re, re, reveal of this prophetic word, but not a full fulfillment, which is coming. 
So we, as a church, have that responsibility to proclaim the gospel. The Great Commission is obviously our mission that we need to achieve. But, you know, there's a marker here that there's a company of people that have a specific calling to tread into almost like a pioneering work into, into, into areas that maybe the church is not established. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, and if we're really honest with ourselves, probably one of the greatest mission fields in the Western culture is our pews. It's the church itself. How many are sitting in the church today that are, it might be a possibility, there's a lot of people in the church that are not saved, and I've never really heard, I'm sad to say, the full gospel. A lot of times we inoculate people from the full gospel. You know, this is flu season, so we a lot of people go get a flu shot. And the flu shot's basically, I mean, I'm making this really simple scientifically, but the flu shot's basically a little bit of the flu virus introduced to your body in order that your body's own immune system will build up antibodies to fight the real virus when it comes into your body. And sometimes certain churches, especially seeker-friendly models, water down the gospel just enough to give you a little bit. But then when somebody with a voice, a voice in the wilderness arises and begins to proclaim to you the full gospel of Jesus Christ, you fight against it. Your, your reaction is to be offended because you've been inoculated to that full gospel. And a lot of our churches, there's a lot of people sitting around thinking that it's all about the love of God and God's, you know, some kind of hippie rolling around in the clouds. And it's all about love when they forget that the other side of the coin is his judgment, his, his justice, and his wrath, and it's coming. And so the voices in the wilderness are balanced. So what I want to read to you today is something that I find interesting. As I was meditating on this, I was actually going to look at some scripture, and I just happened to kind of scroll by this part of my Bible, and it, it for some reason, I just felt like I needed to stop here and read. And as I did, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is the Holy Spirit's answering my question. What a voice in a water, What is a voice in a What does a voice in a wilderness do? So this is in John chapter 3. It's right after the famous talk between Nicodemus and Jesus in you know, John 3, 16. Of course, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. And so this is right after that conversation that begins in verse 22. And so I'm going to read this. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Enon near Salim because the water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. So one of the key characteristics of people that are voices in the wilderness that are treading new places for God is that they understand completely where their blessings come, that there is nothing that has been given to them that God has not given to them. They walk in humility. They are not puffed up by their platforms. In fact, they are not even impressed by your platform. 
They're not impressed with how bright your lights are, how smoky your smoke machines are, and how skinny your skinny jeans look. They're not impressed with none of that. Voices in the wilderness want to know, is the spirit of the living God in this place? Are miracles being done? Is the word of God being preached uncompromisingly? And is Jesus and the cross being lifted up? Is the blood of Christ covering the members here? Or are we just coming in for a fancy show and a nice little talk? Those are the voices in the wilderness. They may seem or come across as arrogant people, but they are humble in the fact that they know their God. They know the message that God has placed in their heart. It is like a fire shut up in their bones, and they cannot help but speak the, what he has given them. They may come across as arrogant people, as prideful people, but the reality is they walk in humility because they are nothing without God, and they know that. And that's why so many times I go to the outcasts, people that have been grade-A sinners, baby. I mean, they know how to sin. They've been smoking dope and jumping rope and sleeping around and going to clubbing and all this stuff, and they get born again, and that same passion that they sin with, they start to fall of Christ and and they're on fire for God and you know what the only people I've ever seen put that out is the people sitting on the, in the church the people sitting on the boards they pour water on the wood and they expect these people to then just you know sit down and be quiet well here's here's the thing with a fire you can't make fire be quiet if it's locked up inside you it will burst forth if God sets you on fire you can't just shut your mouth and sit in a pew and act like everything's just peachy keen that's not the way this works and so we are so we want this little package and this little let's got to look a certain way and God is about to blow the church's mind because he's going to save people and put them behind a pulpit that you would have never thought would have been there the prostitute down the road that's been selling herself for drugs for 15 years is going to get saved and set free and she's going to preach the word of God and it's going to offend a lot of people and there's a clash coming between the religious and the Holy Spirit of God and you mark my words these voices are going to begin to rise up and they're going to offend a lot of people but at the same time they're going to set the captives free because greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world that's a mark of a voice John goes on, he says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who was the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The mark of a voice in the wilderness of a pioneer of God, he is one that knows that he must get up or she must get up every day and pick up her cross or pick up his cross and crucify the flesh, crucify his selfish desires, crucify her want for things of this world and get up and follow him. They know that they must decrease and he must increase in them for them to do anything that is worthwhile. You see, the person that is a voice in the wilderness, they know that nothing they do outside of Christ will amount to a hill of beans 
and those stains look like dung to them. They have no interest in it. It is only for the sake of Christ that they care. And so these people will rise up, and they don't care about what it looks like. They don't care if they look a little bit unfashionable or whatever the case may be. All they care about is, am I pleasing to Christ? Will I hear, well done? That's all they care about. And so they get up every day out of the love for they have for the Savior that pulled them out of the muck and mire, and they crucify themselves, and they allow him to increase in their life. He who comes from above is of, above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son, and he has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The mark of a voice in the wilderness is the preaching and the declaration of the uncompromised word of the living God, who says there is no other name under heaven which might be saved, that if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you will not enter into the gates of heaven. There is no other way. There is no gray area. There is no purgatory. There is no following Buddha, and maybe you'll get there. There There is only one way unto heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. But before we say, wait a minute, this is John. This is before the cross. New covenant hasn't been established. This is old covenant. Before you say that, I will remind you to go read Romans chapter 1 and 2. Paul says the exact same thing. See, we pick and choose the gospel, what we want to hear, and we don't want to hear the full gospel. We inoculate ourselves. You see, everybody wants to talk about Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And we stop right there. We don't want to read anymore. Oh, the kindness of God leads to repentance. Let's talk about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. And I'm all about the love of God, because trust me, if it wasn't for the love of God, I wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for he loved me even where I was at, I wouldn't be here today. But we are inoculating people to the other part of this, and it is, it is that the wrath of God is on sinners until they themselves accept Christ. And if not, when the end comes, judgment is laid upon them, and then they will be eternally punished for those sins if Christ has not been accepted. Paul says that very clearly. So the next verse, the very next verse, Romans 2, 5 says this, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So we're heading into a year where I believe these voices are beginning to raise up and they will 
be oppositional to religious spirits. You look in John's ministry, in Jesus's ministry, you'll see that the religious order of the day, the prideful, those that were a part of the religious community were the ones that fought against John and Jesus. I mean, Jesus had problems with the Pharisees, not with the common folk, not with the sinners. John obviously had one heck of a ministry baptizing people, but who gave him problems? It was the Pharisees. I really believe we're going to see a confrontation there because these voices are arising and they don't have any time for that nonsense. They want to see Jesus glorified and they want to see people snatched out of hell and set free. 